It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. And the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. How are you? Hello. Hello. All right. Good to be with you. Combine coming your way next week. We've kind of talked about it a little bit the last couple of days, guys. So figure it might be a good idea now to take a look at some of the most recent mock drafts and some of the heavy hitters that have come out. Because at this point... They're talking to some of the guys in front offices around the league as to what players, you know, they like and don't like. So it might give us a feel. Again, we don't really care who gets assigned to the Giants with these picks necessarily, but kind of just get a feel for the draft class and exactly what we might be looking at. So uh, let's start with our friends over at NFL Network, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who we should have on at some point next week at the Combine. And there's my NFL.com auto video that keeps playing because their website destroys me inside <laughs> um that was colleen wolf of you didn't hear the voice um so as we take a look here guys um evan neal number one to jacksonville aiden hutchinson number two to detroit this seems to be kind of what the um i would say chalk is recently and it makes sense if you're the jaguars you want to try to protect your quarterback and trevor lawrence right i mean i think it makes sense uh aiden hudson just seems like a dan campbell player you know, a go a million miles an hour, you know, high, you know, uh, high motor type of guy. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, third to the Texans. This seems to be a pick that everyone's kind of throwing darts at right now. Um, Icky Ekwanyu to the Jets out of NC State at four. And this is when things get a little interesting. And, and Daniel Jeremiah says basically these are guys that he's hearing from teams that they're much higher on than maybe some other people are. Uh, Trayvon Walker to the Giants, uh, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. Uh, Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, number six to Carolina. That's going to be a bit of a pivot point in this draft. Will they go quarterback? Will they go offensive line? That seems to be what the consensus is right now. Giants at number seven, Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. The other interesting thing about this draft, I don't think there's much of a consensus as to who the top wide receiver is. It's kind of a flavor of an ice cream thing. We could talk about that. Kayvon Thibodeau dropping all the way to eight. And there does seem to be some talk now. While he has a lot of tools, there are other things that teams have questions about. We'll have to keep an eye on. And then uh, Jermaine Johnson in 9, the uh, edge out of Florida State. Uh, Sauce Gardner at 10, the corner out of Cincinnati. Uh, the first interior offensive lineman off the board, not Tyler Lindebaum. Kenyon Green, number 11, the guard out yeah, of Texas I like A&M. Green a lot. And he's the guy that can play pretty much every offensive line position for you, too. Uh, Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Minnesota, 12. Uh, George Karloftis, number 13. We've seen him, him in the top 10 in other drafts. And then the last two I'll give you is uh, Derek Stingley Jr. dropping all the way to 14. And uh, David Ajabo going all the way to 15. So uh, I think what we're going to see here, guys, is a lot of different-looking drafts with different names from different people. But, Paul, these obviously a couple of names that we hadn't really talked about much on this show. Uh, Drake London and uh, Trayvon Walker. 
Yeah, you know, uh, and let me make something clear here, John. You said that Jeremiah put these up as um, gossip, right? As what he's heard. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have mm-hmm. seen you were going away from Mike. This was what he heard gossip around the league. Well, no, but he, I've listened this to his not... Move the Sticks podcast. Basically, he's saying he's hearing around the league that some of these guys that he has higher up are liked more by teams than they are by, you know, people that do this stuff in the media. Mm. Okay. Okay, so in other words, there are some surprising names who are higher on his list than what we would expect to see otherwise. And I don't think there's any doubt when you hear some of the folks that he's identified that you're going to get a lot of people scratching their heads and shaking their heads. I would suspect if the Giants drafted Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, who, by the way, comps to Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And, and I get it, 6'5", 210 pounds. Guy was a, a former basketball player with the Trojans for, for a season. Um, tremendous physical specimen. I totally understand that. Also comes off a fractured ankle, okay, where, you know, he ankle missed. Ankle or foot? Ankle, foot, same thing. Okay. He missed, he, you know, I mean, bottom line is he missed four games last season because he had, he had a fracture in, in his foot. His ankle's part of the foot. Um, this this is something that people are going to question, even though he was a three-year starter and is a tremendous physical specimen. Again, he comps to Mike Evans. Now, if you ask the Tampa Bay Bucks, are you really happy that you drafted Mike Evans? They probably would tell you yes. Oh, absolutely. The man's mm-hmm. been a perennial 1,000-yard receiver. I mean, he can't, like, have a season less than 1,000. He's, no. like, automatic. He's an excellent football player. Okay? Mm-hmm. But I suspect, and... We open up the phones in a couple of minutes. If the Giants were to draft Drake London at five or seven, I think there would be a massive revolt (laughs) in the New York metropolitan area. No matter how Mike Evans-like he turns out to be, I think the fans would go ballistic. Yeah, especially what you got. um, You know, you've got a wide receiver that you're paying a lot of money. that you, he's already on the team. They have a skyscraper in Galladay. Exactly, exactly. And again, you know, this this mock 2-0 by Jeremiah is something that you guys, you know, everybody looks at and says, well, like John had mentioned, these are just some rumors about some things like this. So it actually, you scratch your head on a couple of these. But it, I guess it just goes to show you, we haven't done the draft. We haven't done the combine yet. Nope, no workouts yet. So this is just all hearsay about some of these guys. But it is very interesting when you think about the Giants drafting uh, the two guys that they did, they still have, again, are not addressing their offensive line position. But, I, again, I think that will be addressed sooner or later. But this, to me, is just I, – I don't agree with this. I don't think any of you guys either. Uh, yeah, but, again, I don't think we care about who's necessarily assigned to the Giants. That's like, We're yeah. just trying to figure out what the – what the purview of, well, of the top ten is? Okay, I but okay. So let's just see. So you know, Evan Neal obviously is the is the number one guy. But you know, there's a lot of other people that don't have Evan Neal as the number one guy. You know, um, so I, I just uh, it's it's pretty interesting to see some of these guys how they've shot up in this thing. And uh, you know, the one the number one receiver. Yeah, I'll take him. He's a big guy, but you know what? How about I'll trade for Mike Evans before I get get the other guy. I'm more I'm more satisfied in what he's already done in the league. But that's a high pick for the Giants to be able to go after a guy like that. And I know we're not talking about the Giants, John. I'm just saying. Um, but you know, it's interesting. You know, Thibodeau is another one of those guys where, and in his draft, he's dropped down to number eight. Is that because of some of the stuff that he's people have been saying about him and his work ethic and things like that? I don't know, but. Uh, 
you know, it's interesting. I don't see a quarterback up here, which is kind of one of those things we've always talked about, how some of these guys shoot up at the very end, and, you know, and we never know what will happen there. So we'll has, see. Has anybody else, John, that you've seen over the course of flipping through, and I, I don't remember seeing anybody else list a wide receiver in the top ten. Uh, well, funny you ask. <laughs> Go to Todd Nashay's mock draft. He has Drake won the number eight to the Falcons. Does he? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Boy, somebody must be passing around outstanding medical reports on that foot because without knowing that, how could you possibly pick him in the top ten unless you know that that foot is 100% okay? I mean, seriously. That's that's well, a gamble. The interesting thing about the wide receiver class is that you not only have London with the foot, you also have Jameson Williams with the knee. And he didn't hurt that knee until January. So he might be a guy that might not actually get back on the field until October, November, maybe. Now, here's the thing, though. You watch Jameson Williams and holy Toledo. Like, the guy is the most explosive athlete on the field in every game he plays in. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that plays for Alabama, who is the best athletes in college football. They play against the SEC, that is the best athletes in college football. And this guy makes everyone else look slow. So, at what point do you say, you know, is that something you're interested in? That you want to take the chance on that? Do you take on chance on Drake London with that injury? John Mechie, another guy, the other Alabama wide receiver who's probably going to be a day two pick. He's a guy that has an injury, too. Do you think about him? Or then do you go a different direction? You have the Traylon Burks. You have other guys. Remember, this is every year now. You have wide receivers going into the third round that can play, too. So the Giants would use the first round pick in a wide receiver last year. To me, I'm okay picking a wide receiver if you're the Giants. I'm not picking one in the first round, though. But if if you're getting to round three at the top of the third round and you have a receiver with a second-round grade on it, you know, Sterling Shepard coming off an injury, you want to roll the dice on that? All right. I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. Not at five or seven, though. No, not at five (laughs) or seven. I agree. No, no. No, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of other things we could do at five at seven. I say we, like we're drafting, but the Giants could do. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty exciting, though. I mean, when some of these, when you, I, I think that you know, when you look at some of the stories that come out of the headlines from some of these guys, and like you said, Paul, you know, with the medicals, that's going to be the big thing. Is when you go to these, it's people are talking about their their agents saying, hey, you're going to go, to, you're going to go to the combine this year, but you're not going to work out. You're going to do the medicals, you're going to do the interviews, but you're not going to do all the other stuff. So I think a lot of the information that will come out of the combine next week, as far as the injuries and stuff, it'll be interesting to see how this these things all of a sudden start to switch a little bit. You know. Now you mentioned Trayvon Walker, right, John? Was the other guy? Yes. Okay. Now, now here's the thing about him, and and, and John and I've talked about him, Jeff. We'll kind of let you in on this one a, a little bit too. One year starter, had six sacks last season. Um, now, I, I wouldn't see, let the one-year starter thing bother you just because Georgia just has basically people. great players. 30 picks They're every the, year. <laughs> the same with Alabama, right? A guy might not start. That's just because he's the first-round pick ahead of him. Understood. But it is, it is a fewer amount of college snaps Correct. to gain experience and to hone your technique. Yes. So that, that is somewhat of an issue in terms of if you're expecting immediate production out of the guy. 6'5", 275. Uh, I wrote down here, I love his motor, his first step, his leg drive, and the way he uses his hands. What I did not like was he doesn't shed blocks very well, not very good in horizontal pursuit, and basically he's a one-dimensional upfield guy who's either a 4-3 defensive end or a three-technique defensive tackle. Now, I'm not saying that my scouting report is, is, is in stone here. There are other people who may see other things that they like in him. But based on those attributes, 
Jeff, that to me would be a hard guy for the Giants to pick at five or seven because I don't think necessarily that that's the best guy that you could fit in Wink Martindale's scheme based on what he did in Baltimore. Well, and I certainly wouldn't pick hmm. him over Kayvon Thibodeau. And look, you, I, you I, would I, or you wouldn't? I, I would not. No, I couldn't I either. I'm, I'm not. I the, couldn't either. Look, maybe there are huge red flags with the guys with interviews and off the field stuff. And like we always say, we don't have access to that sort right. of stuff, so we can't comment on it. But just looking at the tape. I mean, I still think Thibodeau's a higher upside than Aiden Hutchinson when I watch both guys on tape with his tools. So I, I, I cannot in good conscience take Tavon Walker over Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I, I, just couldn't. I, I, I couldn't do it either. And I'm not sure even Karloftis for me is a 4-3 defensive end. I, I think I would probably favor Karloftis over Walker, to be honest. I have them kind of in the same category a little bit only because I think both those guys are the, you know, they're not your quick, pass rushing, bendy, fast speed edge guy. And those are the guys that I tend to favor. Understood. You know, these are your bigger 270 pound. You can move him inside to rush inside on third downs if you want. You know, Damon Walker played the three technique as much as he played defensive end at Georgia. So, but you know, Karloftis is a three-year starter who is an absolute film guru. If you've read anything about him so far, no, he's a tank. they tell you not only does he have tremendous power for his position, but he is as cerebral and as dedicated. The guy literally eats football. Okay, that that's great. But if you don't have the athleticism to beat, <laughs> no, just, I get it. Off I, the edge, I, I don't care. I, I, I get it. Right. I get it. But but I, I, there's a lot of traits there that that I would probably favor him over Walker. No, that's fair. Of course. Yeah. So you know, to me, I take a look at it and I think that's interesting. And now, you know, we touched on it briefly, and I will open up the phones here, guys. I do not have a call screener today, so I'm just going to put you guys on hold. Um, and as I put <laughs> you guys one. on hold, Paul, do me a favor. Can you just take that phone off the hook for me? This one here? Yeah, just take that off the hook. You don't have to do anything else. Thank you very much. So I'm just going to put you guys on hold here. And as you're on hold and you're hearing me right now, uh, I can't take your name, so I'm just going to kind of bring you on one by one. I'll ask you who you are, where you're calling from, and we'll get to you within the next 10 minutes or so. So that's the first mock draft. And... Uh, the second one, and I mentioned a couple of the picks with, with Todd McShay, uh, he also has Kayvon Thibodeau dropping from number five to the Giants. They have him picking him at five. The top four in both drafts are the same, by the way. Uh, it's Neil, Hutchinson, Hamilton, and Kwan Yu. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau to the Giants at five. Uh, Sauce Gardner, the cornerback, out of Cincinnati going to the Panthers at six. And then he has the Giants taking Charles Cross, who's the only offensive tackle left on the board from Mississippi State at number seven. So... A little bit more chalky. Drake London, 8. Devin Lloyd, the inside linebacker from Utah, 9. I don't like either of the top inside linebackers in the draft class enough for me to pick at 5 or 7. Personally, I don't think they're good enough. Derek Stingley at 10. Uh, then he is the first quarterback uh, going to Washington at 11 with uh, with Kenny Pickett. Trent McDuffie, Garrett Wilson, Linderbaum at 14. And then uh, N'Kobe Dean, the second inside linebacker at 15. Then he has Tavon Walker at 16. So mm -hmm. this is much more chalky, guys. And I think this is what we're going to see. After the first three or four guys, or maybe four or five guys, I think some teams can have one guy sixth or seventh. The other team could have that guy 17th or 18th. I think that's how different these boards are going to be once you get past those, you know, the Neal, the Hutchinson, the Hamiltons. I think once you get past that group, and maybe Aquanu's in that group too, and Thibodeau's in that group, those kind of five, mm -hmm. once you get past those five, I think grades are going to be a little bit all over the place. Now, I think both you and, and Jeff and, and guys jump in here if I'm not reading you correctly. 
both of you would rather favor dealing out of the seven. Is that right? Well, it depends. It depends who's there and what you do with five. For example, Correct. Not let's too say far, let's say you get Thibodeau at five and he falls to you, right? Right. And then you get to seven. Right. And there's an offensive tackle there that you think's a starting right tackle I for a long time. Him. I think you have to take that guy. Okay. But let's say Thibodeau's not there. You pick your offensive tackle at five. And then you get to seven. If Thibodeau's at seven, you're taking him. <laughs> I'm, but but, but, no, but I'm saying be. he's not. Oh, he's not. Let's say he's not there. Right. And I'm picking between Sauce Gardner yeah. and Derek Stingley and... Drake um, London. And, yeah, Drake London. So now the you're receivers. answering the phone. I'm I'm picking up the phone. <laughs> I'm dialing other people <laughs> to, Speed dial. to get the hell out of there. But if, if I can walk out of this with Thibodeau and one of the, or and one of those three offensive tackles... I would make the picks. Okay. All right. Anyway, the point that I was going to build off of this, and it's really a question for both of you, and that is if after the first four or five picks it gets real sketchy to the point where nobody really knows or has a beat on who's picking who, do you think that makes it easier to trade your seven or harder to trade your seven? Because usually – Teams are going up that high because they're targeting one guy, and uh-huh. it's usually a quarterback. Right. I I think it gets harder. I th- I Much would make harder. the argument it's harder to make the deal that you're not going to find many takers who are going to allow you to move down. Yeah, the, you are able to move down because there's a blue chip guy that falls that somebody wants to go and get. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Well, I, think I, just don't, I don't think there's enough of those. Guys. Right. So so I and think, if one does fall. I think he's going to be in a position where the Giants are probably just going to want to take him. Yeah, you, you very well might. So, so anyway, for for that, you know, pancaking onto my prior gut feeling of if you've got conviction, you got to take the two guys. I think it's going to be really kind of hard for them to trade out of the seven spot to that, move down. I agree, Jeff, but I think it's mm. going to depend. Like, let's say I think it depends what they think of those top three offensive tackles, right? Like, for example, no if, if they look at, say, Charles Cross and they say, well, we think him and Trevor Penning are basically equal in terms of value, and we think they're equal in terms of value with uh, uh, the kid out of uh, Western Michigan, uh, 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 the uh, kid uh, we saw at the Raymond? Senior Bowl. Yeah, uh, Reinhardt, something Rhino, like that. Yeah, 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 I know who you mean. Raymond, you Ry- mean. Ryman, Ryman. Ryman, Ryman. Sorry, Ryman. thank you. Ryman. Bernard Ryman. Um, and we maybe, you know, the, the Falele kid from Minnesota, we don't feel much differently about those guys, then, yeah, go trade down. I don't, but I don't know what they think of Charles Cross. Right. And Jeff, I do think Charles Cross is interesting, right? Because you look at him, and he profiles to me as a left tackle, as a guy that's a pass protector first. Well, he is. You he know, only played a little bit right. Right, and he's also a guy that in that scheme at Ole Miss doesn't run block a lot. So, you know, does that make you have second thoughts? You know, are you okay moving Andrew Thomas to the right side where you played in college, or do you think Cross can then play on the right side? Are you good, you know, not having a, a big run-blocking guy at right tackle? I think that's a, a kind of a calculation the Giants are going to have to make. Bigger question, too. what does Dayball and Bobby Johnson think about right. offensive of linemen? Mm-hmm. What do they want in their O-linemen? You know, I mean, we know here when, when Pat Flaherty was coaching the O-line, he couldn't wait to get his hands on Kareem McKenzie, who was a boxcar right. at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't feel that that's your right tackle and you have a different checklist for your right tackle, that's a whole nother ball game. Yep. I, you know, I have a little bit of a different philosophy, and I, I'd be curious to see what you guys think about this. You know, I, as a new coach and a new GM coming into this organization and seeing what's going on here, I have to have a vision 
uh, beyond this year, obviously, right? So we're looking down, I'm looking towards the future a little bit. So with that in mind, I'm all about stockpiling picks for the next two years and building this thing up. So my philosophy changes a little bit with some of these picks, guys. But I agree with you, John, in the sense that if I if I have to – you know, I really want to give Daniel Jones a good shot to show me what he has to do. So the first and foremost thing for me is I have to get him some protection. So one of those picks in the top 10 has got to be, in my opinion, an offensive lineman. And then I'll trade out of something to get some other picks. And even going down with all of those picks I have in the in the first three rounds now, I can still try to wheel and deal me some stuff because I think that this team needs a lot of players, and I think that they want to develop it through the cap because of their cap situation. So this is my philosophy changes a little bit when I'm looking at some of these players, guys. I'm kind of wanting to stockpile some picks. No, I agree with you, Jeff, but I will say this. It's hard, though, right? My my thing is that with pass rushers and legit, like, game-changing defensive ends, you got to take them. They're only available in the top five. They don't get to 12. They don't get to nine. And you hope you're not picking in the top five in the next several years. Correct. So because you have a guy at that premium of a position, that's like you can find a really good corner in the middle of the first round. Like, you can find Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You're not finding, you know – Nick Bosa at 12 no, or 15. Not so usually. That, Jeff, I'm with you. I agree with your philosophy. I'm behind it 1,000%. But if if they think, and now maybe they have same issues with Thibodeau that other teams do, I don't know. Again, I can just look at the tape and go by what I see from him on the field. Sure. And what he does on the field for me is a guy that's worthy of, of that premium type of pick at a premium position. So that's why I would, if you have a chance to get him and the premium offensive tackle, it, it's kind of hard to it. walk away from Go that for, for me. Just because yeah. both guys are a premium well, spots that are hard to find. And I'm, I'm not, again, if, the, if that's the scenario and you got to do it, you got to do it. But I'm saying, you know, when I'm saying moving guys, I'm not moving like a long ways away. I'm just trying to, I'm chumming the water here a little bit for maybe just a couple picks. But I know that it's tough to find out what these other teams below me are wanting to come up to get. You know, because I, I don't want to trade back if I think that I'm going to get a player in the next, you know, what happens last year with the receiver and at the Eagles. You know, they the one pick above you, the guys grab them. So you did, you know, I want to be be very careful of that. But I think it goes back to what you guys are saying. If these, if the, if your guy is there, then I'm going to try to take him. But he may, he may be able to, I may be able to get my guy a couple picks later because of what I think the other guys below are going to come up and get. I'm so. going to, I'm going to play a dangerous game with you guys right now. And then I will get to the calls <laughs> at 201-939-4513. Here's the dangerous game. First four picks in the draft are the, exactly the ones that McShay and Jeremiah go through. All right. Neil's gone. Hutchinson's gone. Equan, who's gone, Kyle Hamilton's gone. Okay? Right. Okay. So you get to number five. You know, the Panthers are picking at six. And you have Charles Cross, and you have Kayvon Thibodeau. At what point do you say, well, hold on a second. We think Thibodeau's the better prospect. And I think we all agree that you would pick Thibodeau sure. before you would pick Cross. Yes, all things I would. Football. Absolutely. I yes. agree. We're all on the same page. Yes. But you think Carolina at six is much more likely to pick an offensive tackle than they are to pick a defensive end. Because they already have Brian Burns, right? They already have a good defensive line. Yeah. Do you say to yourself, well, hold on a second. We're afraid they're going to take Cross oh, off the board. I see where you're going. Do we take Cross, who we don't like as much as Thibodeau at five, and say, well, we don't think Carolina's picking Thibodeau. And by the way, I would assume that that Joe Shane probably has some insight into how Carolina thinks down there, given his history. 
being down with that organization and say, well, we think Thibodeau is going to be there at seven. So let's wait till seven and then we get the best of both worlds. Or are you concerned that Thibodeau is that type of blue chip prospect that another team might say to Carolina, well, we're willing to give you X, Y, and Z to move up to six to pick Thibodeau, and then you lose out on the better prospect. I'm taking Thibodeau. That's a dangerous I'm, game. That's a dangerous I'm, take, I'm taking Thibodeau, and, uh, and I'll deal with pick seven when seven comes on the board. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not passing on that kid. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm either. Not. I'm not either because, I mean, at one point in time, they had him being the number one pick in the draft. I mean, they, I, I don't know. I'm, I can't. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a dangerous game. It's a very dangerous game. When you look at Daniel Jeremiah's draft, uh, John, he has uh, Thibodeau going down to eight to the Falcons. So in your scenario, that might have worked what you just said. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I would not do it. I would take Thibodeau. All right. I just thought I'd throw that out there for a little fun. No, but just it's dangerous. to cause agita for me. That's all. Well, that's, <laughs> Paul, you, the, you always do these hypotheticals that get my gut churning. For the next two months, that's where I derive I know, most of my I fun. Know, you can't help it. Four five one three. Hey, Giant fans, 2022 is here. And check it out. You can reserve your season tickets for just $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. As, as I said before, I do not have a call screener today, so I will just bring you guys on the air and we will talk. But before I do, hey, Paul, can you uh, slide that uh, phone pot over there about halfway up, the one labeled phone, please? You'll see it uh, about to the number 20 or so, give or take. That's perfect. All right, let's go to our first caller. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, Mark in Jersey City, New Jersey. Thank you, Mark. What's going on? Hi, Mark. Uh, hi, how are you guys doing? I always hi. like listening to you, even Good. though I'm not a Giants fan. Um, it's it's really uh, it's refreshing to hear outside the, the bubble of being a fan of another team. <laughs> what but, team do you root um, for, Mark? Um. Basically, I think the you know you guys have it right. You need to trade <laughs> trade down one of those picks, trade you know to get out. You stockpile for the future because there's so many holes. And I had a couple of ideas for the offensive line that weren't the low hanging fruit ones like Quanu or you know Neil. Um, one is a free agent. He's not a free agent yet, but he's likely a cut candidate from Buffalo. Uh, John Feliciano. He's played center. He's played both guard spots. He's probably not going to cost a lot of money. So he's and he's familiar with their scheme. You think the Bills he's are going to cut him, huh? Yes, yes. There, he's he's due a lot of money. He was injured off and on, in and out of the lineup. He's been inconsistent uh, also when he's played. Yeah, he's he's been good. Then he's been spotty, and he kind of lost his job mm-hmm. to different guys. He's lost his, but he's just a guy that you know, could come in, familiar with things, and could provide some some depth. That's and he and he was actually pretty good at center last year when he had to take over for Morse because Morse had a concussion and he played like three to four games and he was actually pretty good. He's the kind of guy who is a really really good backup, and if you need him to start, you can kind of get by with him. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I, I, I know who you mean. Better at, I bet I felt he was better at center though, and that and I think center is a more important position than guard. <laughs> so I, I, I well, thought he was actually yeah. I, th- I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And the other guy is in the draft. Um, I don't know you guys. Um, you and uh, John had talked. You hadn't gotten too deep into watching your film yet, but I know how you love run blocking, Paul. Maulers, physical. Just yeah. The, 
Uh, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Yeah, well, he's a moose. He's an absolute. I I do know of him only because he is one of those primo guys that fits my description very well. I'm a well aware of who he is. I, I yeah, third round, no. Uh, I think for Tyler Smith, yeah. you think he's going higher? Yeah, I'm not sure you can pick him at whatever the Giants pick. What is it, 37? Wherever they pick, I don't that, think I can little, pick him there. It's a little rich at 37, I think. I to me, to me, I'm looking high, a high third round. If he's still on the board, I'm absolutely jumping. But I don't think I can pick him in the second. And round. And that's the one problem the Giants have. They don't have a second, second round pick, right? So they're going to the have two thirds. They're going to have that big gap of 32 players going off the board between their yeah. second and third round pick. So you really have to choose carefully there because. Yeah. Really, to me, the meat of this draft where you can have a chance... Again, go back to the 2013 draft and look how that draft went. The meat of this draft where you could probably try to find some really good players is between that 20 and 45 and 50 Mm -hmm. range. But once you get past that group, then you have a little bit of a dip. So you have to maximize that pick at 37 where the Giants selected to really try to get a good player there. Or 38, I guess it is. No, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think he's a guy you reach for, but I think he's a guy in the middle of the second round, so low second round. You, if he's yeah, there, they don't you, have a, a pick there. To, They're yeah. not in that real estate oh. unless they make a deal. Oh. They don't have a pick in that real estate, right? Yeah, that's why that seventh pick would be my trade down spot. I, I and also Shane worked with Dan Morgan, who's the assistant GM in Carolina, so mm-hmm. there's familiarity there. Um, you know the Dolphins, so I think he'll he'll. I think, though, definitely, because if you look at what the Bills did in their first, once him and Bean came in, traded Sammy Watkins, traded Darius, traded uh, 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 Ronald Darby, they moved a lot of salary and a lot That's of guys off no that question. roster real quick. So watch out for that. <laughs> Oh, I think we're all bracing for some uh, moves. Yeah, Trust and, me. And, and it could be any time, really, right? I mean, once you like, it could be pre-combine, it could be at the combine. And we remember, the Giants have to do a lot of work just to get under the cap. And then, because they have those two premium first-round picks, you're going to have to clear between 15 and $20 million just to afford your draft class. And then you want to probably clear another 15 or so just to do work, which is how I think Joe Shane kind of got to that $40 million number that he kind of gave, I think he gave that to Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, too, a couple of days ago, and then he gave it previously to Peter King um, okay. back after his press conference. So, you know, you got to get the $40 million. That's That's a lot of money. So you're going to have to make some moves. And remember, it doesn't have to be cuts. It could be trades, too. You can you hope they're trades. You, you don't want to cut them. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you want to get something back for those players. Not only that, that you get the relief from the cap, but you get, even if it's a fifth round or, I mean, you know, the further you get down there, it's it's not great. But, I mean, you want to get something out of it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Oh, uh, Mark, you, who, Mark, what kind of a fan are you? We, John was you, John asked you that. You didn't answer it. Are you a Buffalo Bills fan? Oh, yeah, Buffalo Bills fan, okay. yeah. That's what, okay, good. Well, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the call. Now I think Mark we got. We also, I guess, we got to really go back and maybe study some of the history of the how the Bills did draft and if they did if they were wheeling and dealer and you know in seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, what they were they doing. They didn't right? move around a ton no. with the draft, but they did pick a lot of defensive ends and pass rushers, though. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yep. Well, yeah, they, they also picked a good quarterback. They uh, they had a real propensity to go for bigs. There's no question about that. Along the line. There's no question about that. And they also valued the secondary, too. Yes. 
I mean, just maybe not in the draft so much because Tredavious White was there before Shane got there. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they spend big on those two free agent safeties tell you that they do value that cornerback spot mm -hmm. and the secondary. So just something else to kind of keep in mind as well. Especially Ahmad Gardner might be a guy that the Giants look at too, right? Well, well, I'm going to throw that out there, right? Let's say you can't. Let's say you you Thibodeau's gone. You got your offensive tackle at five, right? Right. You get to seven. If they had to do something with Bradbury. Well, maybe they don't do anything with Bradbury. Given Wink Martindale's preference mm -hmm. for long, We'll know by then. That's the good news. Hope, we will already know. Well, you would hope. Long, fast cornerbacks. And if you listen to his interview with Bob Pop, it's up on the Giants Little Podcast. He asked about corners, and he goes, guys that are long, guys that are fast, guys that can play press. Well, you know three guys that are long and are fast, or two guys that are long and, can, and are fast and can play press? Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner. Mm -hmm. That if if you get those other guys are gone and you can't get your defensive end and or you, or you already have your offensive tackle, Jeff, I'm with you. I think one of those two guys could be the guy at seven, depending on what happens between now and the draft. Oh, well, they're definitely long. I mean, I love the name Sauce. <laughs> Ahmad is his actual. First yeah, I know. Name, by the way. Yes. Mid middle name Sauce Gardner. I, well, like I, it. I think it's his nickname. I don't think <laughs> yeah. it's his middle. Well, name. That, yeah, I'm just reading what's. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. The Sauce is in the middle between Ahmad and Gardner. So with parentheses. Now, Paul um, only is a daughter. If Paul had a son, there's a good chance his first name would be Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, actually, gravy. No. actually, no. It, actually, his middle name would be Sauce. His first name would be Marinara. <laughs> yeah, There's a little gravy in or, there too. Or provolone or pasta. One or the other. <laughs> exactly. Now you got to have some. Uh, I mean, how big is Stingley? Is he? Is he a tall dude? He's six, six one. one six one. But yeah. he's long. I think he's got really long arms. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think any of those cornerbacks that are over six foot, six one, and then you know, six two would even be a, a, a skyscraper for a cornerback position. Yeah, Gardner's but, six three. But, yeah, he, but he's only yeah. 200 pounds, though. So he's a little bit light in the butt. Mm -hmm. But again, that, that, that's fine. That's okay. Those guys, I mean, they're, they, none of them use their arms to tackle anyway, so they just got to <laughs> just go down there and throw their shoulders. I'll tell you what, shoulders. though, but, but, but what you like about those guys and so much in college now, and if you go and you watch yeah. tape of these wide receivers yep. and everything, all these teams, and it's not as much in the SEC, but certainly in the other conferences, all you do is see press. Uh, all you do is see bail zone cover four, cover three, and guys never have to actually execute press coverage in college. And both those guys actually have shown that they can press and do press man to man mm -hmm. in college. Which well, it's is, probably one of the reasons why they're at the in the rankings that they are. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, um, but you're certainly going to need those out of those cornerbacks with Wink Martindale's system. We've talked about that a lot already. Andrew Booth from Clemson's another press yep. corner who's mm -hmm. not a, quite as long or as big as those other guys. In fact, um, they actually I, think his measurements are going to be a big deal where he comes in. At. I, I project Booth could even wind up being a slot guy. You know, he's got that kind of tools, those kinds of skills, and he and because he's a little smaller at six feet two hundred, um, you know. He's a little different than the other two guys who would definitely play outside. Yeah, I don't think Booth will knock his way into the top ten. I think he's kind of on that next group. Him and like I agree. Trent McDuffie, the the smaller guy from Washington, kind of that next group. step, next step down, mid mid to late first round kind of. Yeah, for, for I, that think so. group, I think so. Give or take. 201-939-4513. Call you on the air. What's your name and where you calling from? Call Hi, uh, it's Phil from Vermont. Hey, How Phil, what's going on, man? Hi, Phil. Great guys. Uh, the um, key question to me is your evaluation of Cross. Uh, obviously, I think if Neil or Juan who calls you, it's kind of a no-brainer, it seems like. But I'm concerned that Cross is a reach. Uh, you know, he's coming out of a passing 
him. He really he played very limited at right tackle, very limited. Um, so you're projecting with him, and I guess where I, my head is at is in, if you're going top ten offensive linemen, you got to look tackle, and you got to look at somebody that not not just a starter, but somebody that could really be a fixture, a star, somebody who's going to be there for ten years. Well, Phil, I will Otherwise, say this: one thing you he, here's one thing, Phil. You are not projecting with Charles Cross. Charles Cross can pass protect. Without a doubt. The guy is an unbelievable athlete. He probably will test better than both Neil and Aquanu, in my opinion, in terms of his, in terms of his athletic testing. Very smart, too, John. He picks up stunts like nobody's business. Great feet, long arms. He can move. So, Phil, that dude can pass protect. Like, And that, for a tackle, for me, is still the most important it's thing you league. need to do. Right. So... Yes, if you have to move him to the right side, is that a bit of a, 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 a projection? Yes. Now maybe you feel like you can move Andrew Thomas there. I don't know what this coaching staff thinks about that. And you're right. You are projecting a little bit in the running game. Can he be a guy that can you can run about, run behind and be a, a person mover? But I can tell you this. He's certainly a good enough athlete to run an outside zone scheme because he can move. He's yeah, got he's really quick. good feet. Yeah. So well, you, there, are, there is some projection there, but in other ways – you do know what you're getting in terms of him as Phil, a pass protector. if you're concerned about the style, then maybe Kenyon Green is more to your liking because he's more of a mauler. He is a power guy. He ain't a seventh and, pick in the draft, guy. I don't though. think he's a seven, but he's played right guard, right tackle, and left tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, I projected him as a guard or a right tackle. And left guard he's played, too. Okay. I think, right? Both guard guards, I didn't have him starting at left guard. Oh, okay. Maybe he didn't start I'm talking there. about it as a starter. I'm pretty sure I saw him at left guard in one of the games And, and we're talking 6'4", 325, and started for three years at Texas A&M. And, and let me just tell you something. He plays angry. Oh no! Okay, he he is a people mover. He's a mauler. Mm -hmm. All right, this is a guy you put him in a steel cage and you're not getting out alive. (laughs) So so you know if if you believe yeah, and last year by the way he played over 400 snaps at left guard. Kenyon Green. Did he did he have left guard? I got got right guard, right tackle, left tackle on my my board. Just last year, I can tell you exactly how many snaps. Oh, you're right here, left guard. I got him starting as a left guard. Four hundred seventeen snaps at left guard. That's okay. Eighty two at left tackle, one hundred eleven at right guard, and one hundred and forty four at right tackle. So he literally, except for center, played every single position. So a guy who plays four spots and he's a load, and and he's a power player. So if if you if you want him before you want Cross, if you think Cross is a reach because you don't like a pair and you like an apple instead, maybe you like Kenyon Green. Maybe. We obviously have to get offensive line help. The other guy that you guys mentioned that I would not sleep on is Stingley. You know, a couple of years ago, I don't know what happened these last couple of years, and you got to check the medical, but. That guy's impression looked like he could walk into the NFL and start. Yes. We're shutting down SEC receivers and going against LSU receivers in practice every day. And he was awesome. I don't know what happened in the last couple of years, but, boy, if you pick him up, he was the definition of a shutdown corner. And he looked at that time like he was going to be an obvious top five pick. Obvious. So... I don't know what's affected his market uh, now. The foot, the foot surgery is what impacted his market. Well, it's more than that. And, and, and Phil, your phone line's not great. I, I, I have to let you go. Listen off the air. Um, yeah, the foot injury for one, Paul, but he frankly didn't play as well either. 
No. I well, mean, when he when he first was was a starter, people were suggesting he might be a top three pick in the draft oh, by the time he comes out. If and and this is to Phil's point. And Phil's like we exactly heard about right. Akuda. Remember Akuda oh. was was going to be top three. And Stingley is a better player than uh, Stingley as a freshman yes. was a better player than at Okuda the time was. Yes. yes. If Stingley could have sustained that level of play for three years in college, I would I will say right now without a doubt he would be the first pick in the draft this year. If really? he sustained his mm. freshman cornerback level of play for three years, he would be the first overall pick in this year's draft. Problem now, is that he didn't. <laughs> you oh. know, if you go back, just go back and watch him try to man up Devonta Smith. Man he's, on man. He's a pure press corner. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Devontae Smith lit him up. Like, in, in 2020, mm-hmm. in Devontae Smith's, uh, I think it was either the SEC title game, I think it was, in, in 2020 when Alabama played LSU mm-hmm. last year, you know, in – Devontae Smith's last year there. Devontae Smith lit him up like a Christmas tree. Killed him. Mm. But, again, that was Stingley's second year. We didn't play as well as he did as a freshman. That's the thing with Stingley. Like, you know, LSU's the program kind of fell apart. That's why they changed head coaches. The whole thing kind of crumbled, and he crumbled with it. So you kind of need to, you know, you want to talk about the importance of scouting? Dig your claws into Derek Stingley because Mm -hmm. that is a tough evaluation. It is a tough evaluation. I had three things written down for negative on him, John. Inconsistent, uh, his frame. He's a little bit slight. He's a little slight. Mm-hmm. And not a great tackler. Well, no, he's, come on. He's a cover guy. Yeah. None of them are. <laughs> cover, 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 cover guys don't tackle much. No, but like, and, and I do, and I understand the gravity of what I'm about to say. And I, and I try not to do things like this. You watch him as a freshman. He was great. He looks like Darrell Revis and Deion Sanders. That's what he looks like. That level of a cover cornerback. It hasn't the last two years, though. Why? That's what the scouts need to figure out. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Daryl from Rochester. Daryl, what's up? Hello. Hey, listen, guys. I got to run some couple things by you right quick. Uh, oh, Doug. When it comes to the draft, I just believe the Giants are going to take the edge rusher and also tackle at five or seven. Yeah, but Doug, and who's there? You can't just say I'm, you don't pick positions; you pick players. Well, the players is like is, is, I think the kid from North Carolina State is going to be there at five or seven, and then um, the kid from um, from Michigan, Olaba, whatever his name is, uh, he's going to be there. So, no, yeah, he's, he's talking about Hutchinson. Like oh, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah, because okay. there's okay. a Doug, big Doug, I, I will tell you this yeah, right now. Hutchinson's you will, there. You, will, you will not yeah. get Iquanu and either Hutchinson or Thibodeau. There's no way two of those three will get out of the top four. No chance. None. Yeah. Highly well, unlikely. You don't, think, you don't think Thibodeau's going to get out of the top, top four? I no, think in, in, in the top four will be two of the three. Thibodeau, Iquanu, Hutchinson. I think there's a chance Equanu gets out. I think there's a chance Thibodeau gets out. I don't think there's any chance that both get out. Heck, all three could be gone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay. Well, another thing I'm going to more importantly, I got you two guys on. I've been thinking about something that's really been bugging me. Okay, if you look at the new GM and the new um, coach, they had a number one receiver that was D. If you take the offensive coordinator – he had two number ones, Kelsey and Hill. The Giants have Ken Galladay. I think when he's healthy, if he played 15 or 16 games, he, he's a number two. Kadarius Tony, 
I think you look at him, you're going to look at yards after a catch, a switch army knife. The Giants do not have a number one receiver in their camp. If you look at these new coaches and, and Jim, they had number one receivers. Now, the receivers on the market, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. My favorite one is Allen Robinson. He truly he got Doug, hurt, Doug, okay? Doug, Doug, I'm stopping you right now. They cannot, they, they, they cannot afford a wide receiver yeah. on the top of the free agent market. They got no money. Unless they well, cut Galladay. Well, I heard Jeff talk about making trades, and Allen Robinson is not twenty million dollars. Even though he got hurt, his value doesn't go down some. No, but the, 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 the duck, 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 duck. They already have a big wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. If you look at the type of number one wide receivers they had in Buffalo and Kansas City, in Stephon Diggs and Tyree Kill, are those tall skyscraper wide receivers, or are they speed wide receivers? Hello. <laughs> no, that's a shame. Lost up. Next call. There's not much to add to that. Next call. call. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't know how many times we could tell you, Doug, that the giant salary cap situation is not very pretty. Now, I get it. You heard Jeff talk about making a deal before with some draft picks. Okay, that's fine. But, but there's no way, no way you're going to be able to create some gold bars to go out and get a premium wide receiver. That 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 is just not available. You paid Kenny Galladay like a premium wide receiver last year and you drafted a wide receiver in the first round. That's it. Figure it out. And you know what? Just he, hope that Darius Slayton bounces back you, because you really need him to. You cannot put another premium asset into that position right now. No can do. Now, maybe next not year. Not a first rounder. Maybe Galladay has another brutal year where he can't stay healthy and then you make that decision next offseason. Okay. Cool. But what about a third round, the, guys? What about a third round? Would you put a third round? I, I would yeah. take it. I would take a receiver in the third round. Hey, look, I, I look. I, I'm almost getting to the point here, and I've said this kind of briefly on a couple of shows, guys, mm-hmm. where college football now develops so many wide receivers. Yeah. I'm almost un, unless you have like one of the elites of the elites, like a top five, top six guy. I'm always willing to just keep recycling through them. Just draft one every couple years. Draft one every year, yeah. and you're fine. You have enough wide receivers, you'll be okay. Why am I going to go out there and pay a guy that's not super elite eighteen million dollars? I can draft that same guy in the second round every year. And and you know What's what too, point? you might find you might find a fourth rounder in there that a guy just you know that you you miss on him a little bit, right? In a good way, like all of a sudden now he's like, whoa, where did this guy come from? You know, and add some depth to your team. Uh, because I, I think when you look at the roster and what's gonna, we don't know what's gonna happen, but you know when this is all said and done. You look at that wide receiver position and the depth that's there. You know, I mean, I think it probably could use a couple, couple new guys. So you could find them, John. Might be able to find a good one in the fourth round. You can find look, wide receiver. It's it's weird, right? You know, we talk about premium Tight positions, end. right? You talk about premium positions, offensive tackles, really important and hard to find. Yeah, the great ones. Edge rusher, premium position, really important position, hard to find. Quarterback, the ultimate premium position. Really hard to find, right? Cornerback even. Like average cornerbacks are getting $10, 11000000 million a year. Really important position, a good one, really hard to find. What makes wide receiver a little different is that it is an extremely important position. Ain't hard to find wide receivers. Look, like, okay. Dallas, like the Dallas Cowboys will likely put Amari Cooper on the free agent, on, on, on the trade market in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. All right? He has... Very little guaranteed money left on his deal. He makes like $19 million a year or so. 
pretty, you know, guy for Cooper's level of $19 million a year with no guaranteed money that you can get out of, it's not a bad contract. It's not a bad contract. Is it a great contract? No. Is it a bad contract? No. Maybe they'll get a third-round pick for him. Look. And this is a guy that's like a legit, like, top 1A level, 1B level wide receiver. There's just so many of these guys out there now. Many years ago, veteran scout said to me, the one position that you can find easier than any other one in the rookie undrafted free agent class is wide receiver. You can always find somebody who is capable of making your roster and sometimes even find somebody who's pretty darn good. Every once in a while, you get real lucky and you find a Victor Cruz who's actually a Pro Bowl guy. That doesn't necessarily happen all the time. But he said to me, receiver is always the easiest one to find at the end of the draft, undrafted rookies. Now, again, you can find them. You can't just find a Jamar Chase now. And that's why if you have no, a chance no, no, no. We're not draft, saying that. Well, no. And, and, no, right, but that well, was I'm, one of your guys. That right. was one of your outliers, well, as again, you said. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. I'm just putting an addendum on it that those guys I can still see using a premium pick on because they can – they literally – sure change everything in the way teams treat you, right? The Jamar Chases, maybe the Jalen Waddles. We'll see how he turns out. But, you know, that level, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the guys I put in that category. Uh, you go back Calvin well, Johnson, obviously. Oh, you're going to put Mike Evans up in that category. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I guess. What about Odell at his time? Yes, Odell and his prime absolutely would be in that category, 100%. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Because I, I, Julio I'm, Jones would have been too. Oh, Julio, Julio Jones. Jones. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. Maybe, yeah. and you know, absolutely, hundred um, percent. This team, depending on what happens Tyree with Kill, another guy, the tight end position to me is a little bit unsettled at this point with this Giants team. Oh, there's a lot of them though in this draft, Jeff. <laughs> so, a lot of them. So I was going to ask a question to you guys: that who, who, what round would be the first one? Um, and the second one, who do you guys feel like that the Giants might be able to target in the draft for the tight end position? I feel like this tight end class is so deep, I'm good picking one in the fourth round and being mm-hmm. happy with it. Okay. Okay. I, I need Ferguson out of Wisconsin. That's, that's my <laughs> guy. Uh, Paul's locked in. That's right. my guy. I'm already locked in. Fourth round, I want Ferguson. I wanted Kittlin the fourth round, too, when he came out, and I didn't get him. Well, Ferguson's not the athlete that Kittle was coming out. No, though. he's not. But that's how I, I, I love Ferguson in the fourth round. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. You really um, look agitated about it. I love the guy. <laughs> look how agitated No, I you really are. do. I really do. <laughs> and I I said that before he did really well in the senior bowl. Go ahead, Chad. I'm sorry. It, no, is this going to be your guy this year that you're going to go crazy when they don't get them? Him? <sighs> what is your You know how every year you have your guy, Paul. Equanu is my guy. Equanu is your guy this Iquanu year. Equanu is the guy who I'm going to throw a temper tantrum if they don't if they if if he gets picked before the Giants. <laughs> I will throw a temper tantrum that Equanu is gone. All right, so let's see. You want Ferguson in the 4th round. What's the most painful thing that could happen to you? Maybe And he gets taken in the 3rd. <laughs> no, no, no. It has to be more than that. It has to be a it has to be a team that Oh, you know what would be the most painful thing that could happen? trade up to get him. Jets take him right before the Giants. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> I always like I always like to find the needle. Like we got that 2 years ago when when the Cowboys took Biotish. Yeah. Another guy that Paul really wanted. Mm-hmm. And then the Eagles 
Did they take it? Was it an offensive lineman pull that you really wanted this one year? Uh, and the Eagles took him. Eagles, Eagles took. Um, no, the running back, they, uh, the Gainwell. They took. Ga- they, they, they took Gainwell, and <laughs> they and Gainwell, they got probably. my defensive tackle too. Oh yeah, the kid out of um, uh, Milt Williams. Milt Williams. <laughs> Milt Williams. That's right. Milt Williams was out my of, other uh, guy. Louisiana who I really, Tech, right? I like both of those guys as sleepers, as possible third, fourth, fifth round kind of guys. And the Eagles took. Eagles them. took them both. I know. See, both. See, that's the thing. And Jeff, made me vomit green. Not is what they made me do. Not only does the guy have to go off the board, it has to be with a team that Paul holds a that's lot of disdain for. That's when I get very <laughs> sick. So that's why it's got to be either a division team or like the Jets. Someone like that. That'll really get Paul going, which is all we're really looking to do. I know. Let's be honest. All right, let's go back to the calls. Hey, I'm on the phone. Hi. Uh, I already know that's Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Oh, God. Hey, we don't guys, need your how name. Doing? Well, how's it going, Hey, Charlie? the only thing easier to get undrafted free agents Besides wide receivers as punters. I think yeah. I think that's the easiest. <laughs> Probably like right, Charlie. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not too many of them that are drafted every year, that's for sure. Although the way they recycle veterans, yeah. you don't see a lot that's of rookies easy. come in each year either. <laughs> True. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, hey, we might be looking for a punter, right? Uh, hey, uh, I got two of them in camp right now, so. Yeah. Hey, look, if, if – if I wouldn't pick a cornerback. Uh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't pick a cornerback at seven. Um, look, if if Hamilton is there, I would rather pick him than I would Gardner. Um, this, Hamilton is like a freak. He's he's a guy who can can do a lot of different things. And you put him there back there with McKinney, both those guys. Yeah, but Charles, um, here's the one I thing think, I will say about Kyle Hamilton, and then you can finish. Sure. One thing I'll say about Kyle Hamilton. I don't think he's a guy that can cover one-on-one in the slot. So if you're looking for safety that you want to bring down and play man-to-man as, as like a corner in the slot, you know, he's 230 pounds now. You know, he's not hanging with these receivers in the slot that are, you know, 5'11", 190. So, yes, he could be a box safety. Yes, he could be a, a, a split deep safety. safety. Yes, he could be a single high safety. But I don't think he has the versatility to necessarily be that slot corner. So just keep that in mind. He's a great player. I love Kyle Hamilton. I'd love to have him on the team. But I do think he's a little bit repetitive with what you already have in Xavier McKinney. And, Charlie, if you really want to nitpick, the trainers are going to look at a possible meniscus injury that's in his history also. Well, meniscus is not too bad. <clears throat> those, those aren't too bad. But what I, the thing is, we're going to put some article on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. Annika will take care of that. But I'm just saying we should get a slot receiver. We need a slot receiver. <clears throat> I wouldn't use him as a slot receiver. But <clears throat> I'm just saying that's who I would. If we have to go defensive back and he's available over, yeah, I would take him. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, look, but, I, I will <clears throat> say this, Charlie. On most boards, Kyle Hamilton, regardless of position value, will probably have a higher overall grade than either two of those cornerbacks on most oh, yeah. boards. Yeah, uh, just just based on his pure athleticism skills on tape. Right. I would agree with that. We, what we don't know are all the intangibles. Those are the other things we, we don't know about. I, I will say this, though, Charlie, all right, and this is always the caveat we have to add, what does Wink Martindale think? What does he want to do? That is going to weigh very heavily in what they decide to do with with for example, we were talking before about the offensive lineman. Do you want the pear or do you want the apple? Well, on defense, are we talking about they do need some kind of pass rusher on defense at some point in this draft? 
We know that. They've got to get another pass rusher on this team. And by the way, it is a pretty deep edge rusher class. Like, you should be able to get a pretty good edge rusher at the top of the second round if you want to. Now, but they are different, some different styles. Of course. Different body types. Mm -hmm. What does Wink Martindale want to add? Does he want a guy who's going to be down in the dirt? Does he want a guy who's going to be standing up? Does he want a guy who's more of a speed guy, more of a power guy? What does he want? We have no idea. Good questions. Well, definitely we don't want him on the ground. That's one place we don't want him. Stand up, whatever. But, hey, did uh, did Wink ever work with uh, Ed Reed? Or was that uh, before his time? I believe Ed Reed was. Reed was before, before his time. Well, before yeah. his time as defensive coordinator for sure. Yeah, he was there he as a linebacker coach at that point. it as a linebacker I think for coach. one year. Yeah, I, think. I have to look it up. I think. I'll look it up right now. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, look up I, Ed Reed's I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Hamilton, and I see a lot of Ed Reed in him. Um, you know, he was a safety, but he uh, he was, all, you know, as a ball hawk, he was all over the field. He was a great tackler. Um, I don't know. I just think that might. And uh, I was just going to compare Cross, you know, the the uh, tackle. Reed's he last year with the like... Ravens was 2012, and that was Martindale's first year. So one year, one coach. year yeah. overlap. One year, overlap. one year overlap. Uh, okay. But okay. remember one thing too, Charlie. Kyle Hamilton for for his stature, even though six four two twenty, he's got to get stronger. Ed Reed had had yeah. some some muscle to him, and also what made he Ed was Re- cut, and what made Ed Reed special Reed. is. Well, speed for tremendous one, instincts, instincts, exactly. tremendous well, instincts. His his ability to read and react and figure out and smarts. He Physical, was just such a. Athletic, I mean, I think Bill Belichick geez. called him the smartest player he's ever played Ridiculous. against. Ridiculous. So you know that that's something too that you have to decide. Well, does Hamilton have those intangibles <clears throat> that? That doesn't necessarily show up. In I got a real testing. problem. Well, he's probably not because he went to Notre Dame. Correct. I mean, Miami is way smarter people than Notre Dame. Ed Reed was from Miami. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph is from Notre Dame. So I can't oh, imagine that any of those guys would be Hamilton. smarter than that. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Hamilton, yeah, yeah. Kyle Rudolph anyway. also went to Notre Dame, so it makes yeah. sense. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, that was my point. See, <laughs> Joe, you got anything else for us, pal? Yeah, I was just going to say Cross, the uh, offensive tackle. He's a uh, he's. he's I've been reading anyway that he's kind of more of a finesse guy. Yep. And he reminds me a lot of of uh, Mr. Will Beatty. He does. He's he's a finesse guy, but he's smart. He's uh, intelligent. He you know he's he's got his techniques down. Um, he seems like uh, uh, I think he'll be a great left tackle if we get him. Uh, I, you know, and we don't know. Like, well, I was if, if he's Will Beatty, then you want him, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do. And his first name is Charles, isn't it? Well, how can you go wrong, man? There's a big X next to his name. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call, man. We'll talk to you next week. Cross does need to add power and some bulk to his frame. There's no question. Uh, To to be a better run blocker in the league. Well, yeah, he wasn't asked to do that either. But coming out, it's not even close. When Will Beatty came out, Compared to where Cross is, oh, Cross is a much better player, much better pass mm-hmm. protector. Well, I mean, much more accomplished. Well, I mean, just look at the level of competition. I well, mean, yeah, Mississippi State, UConn, UConn was playing. I mean, it's without like a doubt, night and day, without a doubt. All right, let's go to our final caller of the show. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Bruce in Albany. Bruce, what do you Hi. got for us, pal? Uh, I got a question for you about Jaron Williams. He's a guy that. Looked awful good when he got a chance. He's a real hard hitter, very sure tackler. Uh, John just said how cover guys don't tackle. This guy hits like a like a mule. I, I, is there a knock on him? Because he's very fast, as far as I know. 
you know, I he Williams does not have the best speed. That's one thing that that was that is not you know corners that run really fast. They're generally not going to hang out on the practice squad for a long time like Jaron Williams did. But you're right, he's a very physical player, and I could tell you the the old coaching staff loved him. I mean, Joe Judge would go out of his way. Uh, to praise Jaron Williams a lot. Now, mm-hmm. Jerome Henderson's still here. So I don't know what Jerome Henderson thinks of him necessarily. Maybe he's going to put in a good word. The problem, though, is that I don't know if he's a guy that you can really put out on an island outside and man coverage like the way Martindale needs to with the way he pressures on defense. So that's something you're going to need to be able to do outside if you're going to play a prominent role in Martindale's defense, and I'm not sure he has quite enough speed to do that. Yeah, I tend to agree with John. I think he's a really good special teams guy when you want him to because he's a max effort guy. Well, he, and he, he gives be, you everything he's got. He could be a good depth guy at corner, and, too. And, and, he yeah, absolutely, and he does hit. He does hit and he does tackle. And for you folks out there listening, to understand why this caller from Albany is bringing that up, Jaron Williams played at St. Francis. Uh, he was an NEC guy who, who I did games with and John was on sidelines for before he transferred to Albany as a grad transfer. And the Giants, of course, picked him up as a free agent. Okay. All right. Stuff. That's you answer my question. Thank you. There awesome. you go. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate the call. Jeff, I feel like you've been very quiet today. Anything you want to add? I feel like me no. and Paul dominated the conversation. No, no, no. I just, I just, no, no. No, this is good. I, I, I'm actually just, get, you know, as we, as we kind of roll into this draft thing, I'm just trying to figure out these guys' names and pronounce them the right way for you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, uh, there's not too, there's not a, there's not a bunch of bad ones on here that I can't get, get away with, but you know, it'd be fine. No, it's just interesting. I, I, cause I feel like I told you, like I have a whole different philosophy of this draft this year than you guys do. So, um, it's just, sometimes I just, you know, I, I love, I, I'm, I'm hooked on this draft simulator thing right now, guys. <laughs> you still it, hooked it, on that thing? It, it's, but, but I, I had one today. It was before we got on the show, I was just going over these, you know, the two, uh, the Bucky Brooks. I one actually looked at that, uh, and just kind of seeing what these other guys are doing. So then I went and did my little similar thing. I came out of the draft with twelve or thirteen picks because <laughs> I traded down. I traded with some people. It's just so entertaining to go through these and do this kind of stuff. But um, it gives you. It's a good way for me, at least, to learn about these guys and and who we're talking about by doing the simulator. It's. Uh, but I, I do. I want to come out of the draft this year with like eleven picks. That's my that's my goal for the Giants. All right. Well, right now, how many? What do the Giants have? Oh boy, I for, I forgot already. Paul, they have nine. They have nine. They have nine as it stands today. But again, with the salary cap trims, that guys they may have to uh, change out. Jeff, you may wind up with eleven before the draft even starts. Good. That's true. And and then you don't you won't have to trade down from five or yeah. seven. Well, then he wants twelve or thirteen. <laughs> you never know. I could get more than that. Can you imagine coming out with fourteen? <laughs> but you know what? I want some good. I mean, I, I think once you're fourth round down, it's like I mean, it's just those guys got to. They're going to make your team uh, back up special team guys. Want to have a couple good impact players that we need. We've talked about at the top that either that defensive end or that offensive line position. We got to see them. Are you on with Lance and I tomorrow, Jeff, or no? Yes. Okay, perfect. So tomorrow we're going to do um, – this will be good preparation for you. We're going to do uh, uh, NFL.com, rank the top uh, – basically 1 through 32, the performance of the rookie classes from last year. is on NFL.com, so check that out. That will be our show tomorrow with uh, Lance, uh, Jeff, and I. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check it out. And, folks, remember, go check out the Draft Season podcast. It's our new podcast. Uh, subscribe to that podcast channel. Uh, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker, and I, we've been doing our top five lists on offense, on defense. It's really good draft content. If you really want to dive in and get deep into some of these players, um, and we'll have a 
Good episode up there. We'll have the other one up on Monday previewing the Combine, so make sure you check that out. And remember, next week we'll be out at the Combine. Uh, we'll have a regular show on Monday at 1, which we need to talk after the show. We'll probably have to pre or Monday at noon. We'll probably have to pre-record that show because our equipment will be in transit to Indianapolis. Oh, So okay. we'll have to figure that out. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to record that tomorrow probably. And then uh, we will be li- I will be live in Indy from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Tuesday show is probably not going to be until around 3 o'clock because Brian Dable doesn't talk until 2 o'clock on Tuesday. So I don't want to go before we get Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So we will be uh, at four at three o'clock rather on Tuesday, and then the rest of the weekend in the uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll have our shows every day at noon. I already have you know more than ten guests booked and ready to come on for all those shows to talk nice. some draft. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And I, you know me, I, I don't like to get off of sports here, but folks, if if, if you are one to to pray, uh, say a little prayer for the folks over in Europe and the Ukraine right now, because there's a lot of lot of bad stuff going on right there that could have. No really bad ramifications for a, a lot of other people as well. So that's it. Have a good one, folks. And we'll see you on Friday for another big episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live at noon. We'll see you then.